0: This is the Careers in Review podcast. We'll show you how to navigate the job market and career space like a pro. Starting now, here is your host, Ediana Rosen. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Careers in Review. My name is Ediana, your host, and today I have an amazing guest here with me. Her name is Tegan Bartos. She is an award-winning resume writer and certified career coach. She serves as a job search and career subject matter expert for the National Resume Writers Association, Forbes JobScan and LinkedIn has named her top career expert to follow. This is an amazing recognition of course, which is why we have her here in the podcast to talk all about job searching strategies to help you land your next job. Tegan has served over 3500 ambitious professionals throughout her career as a former recruiter, workforce developer leader for the Department of Labor Agencies in her current role as a managing director of Jolt, Your Career. Tegan, welcome to the show.
1: I'm so glad you invited me. This is so long overdue. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yes, absolutely. Tegan and I have been chatting it up over LinkedIn for (laughs) years to come now, and I cannot believe it's taken out this long to be like actually talking in real life here. Like, well, not in real life, but, you know, over Zoom. Loving
1: it either way. Yes, loving
0: it either way. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast and talking to the amazing career reviewers. Tell us a little bit about your background and this amazing, I know that I just read your bio, but wow, like what an amazing career story. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: (laughs) So my career seems super linear, but to me, it doesn't feel that way. I actually started my career off during the recession and had my criminal justice job working at a juvenile detention center revolt the, the day I was supposed to start. And so I ended up going back to one of the agencies that I did my psychology internship with and stayed there for quite some time. The Department of Labor essentially has a fund called WIOA, Workforce Initiative Opportunity Act. It's taxpayer funded. And so in this agency, it primarily worked with early careers. And I did that for quite some time, worked on career transition there, and also did leadership development. And towards the end of me leaving, was working more and more with staff. But then I was hit by a semi-truck and I decided, well, since it's typically adults who screw our kids up, let me work with them instead. <laughs> and so I had a coming to Jesus moment, literally. And by the time I was cleared to return back to work, ended up working with adults for a different agency that also supported the Department of Labor. Wait, wait, Act.
0: time out. You were literally physically hit. By a semi-truck. Yes. Yeah.
1: So in Indiana, I was stationed there at the time on a joint military task force, like a military base. And but as a civilian, like this program is all civilianized, it's federal. And when they have storms, if you're a certain type of employee, you're still required to go into work. So even though the expressways were shut down in Indiana because of the storm, I still had to go to work. And then because... Because if you were already on the expressway, police would still allow you to continue driving. And it was just black ice. The semi-truck swung out, hit me. My car spun around. I ended up underneath the fuel tanker. And I was very fortunate not to be beheaded. Um, Oh, my God. It took a very long time for me to recover. So I actually went back to work a couple of weeks later. Was thrown against the wall from a student at work and then had more brain trauma and then was out for a year. What? So I typically don't share that part. But yeah, it took me about a year to recover from this brain injury from both the accident and then the assault. And so it was just, it was a lot. And when I was in that period, and I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with this, I hustled. It was early in my career. I wanted to aggressively be promoted. I loved what I did. And so I put my all into it. I sacrificed a lot of work-life balance to meet my aggressive career ambitions. Once that was all taken away from me, it's okay, what do I truly want to do next? And so coming from... An underprivileged community and broken family. I had just resonated with, hey, if people have quality jobs, they're more likely to be happy, their families are more likely to stay intact, their children are more likely to be successful in school. The community ends up being better because there's less crime related to the lack of opportunities. And it's just a ripple effect that keeps going. So I still love to stay in the space, but I just pivot a little bit after that, after I got a little bit clear on what was truly driving me and where I felt like I could have the most impact in the
0: community. Wow. I'm just here with my jaw <laughs> half on the floor. Oh my gosh. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Second, I know that it's been a while now and that you're in a much better place, but I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm always just a true believer that everything happens for a reason. One, I think like all of those things happening back to back to you really helped you understand what you really wanted to do and bring you a lot of clarity. Would you agree with that? It did.
1: And it brought me an unexpected opportunity that has literally changed the way that I approach everything careers, my careers, my client careers. And so it truly was a blessing, which if anybody's going through a hard time right now, it may just be the blessing in disguise that you need to really bring your life to where you're going to find even
0: more satisfaction. Right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Well, I know that you, you know, told us a little bit about the background story of where you started your career, but today you're an award-winning career coach. So tell me why career coaching? Like, why are you now working with the population that you're working with and why career coaching specifically?
1: Yeah, so after that accident, I started working for Reduction Force. And so I worked for the Department of Labor, ensuring that corporate organizations were in compliance and accessing grants that they had available to them to better support otherwise unhirable job seekers at the time and building relationships with other corporate organizations who are willing to take a chance on people who didn't chuck off all the boxes. I understood the corporate background for that, but then ended up becoming a recruiter to make more money. And I was really good at it, but I left because of the lack of integrity that was in the industry. And so I decided, okay, that's it. I'm done with the government red tape. I'm done with the BS that comes with agency hiring and decided I wanted to work with job seekers on my term. So I opened up my own firm to help job seekers really understand what happens on both sides of the coin. And how to position themselves to achieve their goals, something that I didn't have full autonomy over when I worked for someone else. But when I work for myself, I can kind of do things on my terms and help people the way that I see best
0: fit. Right. I love that. Yeah. You know, part of a lot of the content I create on my platform is a lot that I wish. That I had to spend time on that, but it's explaining to job seekers the differences between recruiting in an agency and recruiting internally for a corporation because they work very differently and no hate to the recruiting agency because I've worked with some of them. And I think some of them do have really good intentions, but I feel like some companies just have a very aggressive models in the way that they work. And the reason, number one reason why I stayed away from agency recruiting in my career specifically. So I totally resonate with that piece that you just mentioned there.
1: Ironically, <laughs> I have so many boutique agency. As clients right now. And they'll sub out recruitment recs to me and I'll do candidate prep for them. And their integrity is way above par when it comes for, of course, the meeting their client, the hiring manager's needs, but also being that trusted partner to the job seeker. Because once you get at that executive search level... Executives expect a certain white glove touch from their recruiters. And so them getting support with updating their resume and them getting support with preparation on the interview, Like those are the type of agencies that I will support all day. But there's a lot of agencies out there that are more high fill, change a resume to meet the employer's requirements, but even if it's not true, just just some shady shit. And so yes. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I always encourage job seekers to do your due diligence, to make sure that you are being represented by someone who's being ethical. And if they do encourage you to falsify something, stand by your integrity because it can and often does come back to impact you at the end of the day.
0: Absolutely. 100%. Well, you know, that takes me into the next topic that I wanted to cover here specifically with you. Now that you're like, you just told me a little bit about the boots on the ground, what you're doing, you're working with both, you know, agencies and with that, essentially with the companies and what's going on right now behind the scenes and this crazy market (laughs) that little to say, you know, and the job seekers themselves. What are some trends that you're currently seeing? Because like I'm having some conversations with job seekers, currently unemployed people who I'm just like, you know, donating my time because they're just going through a really hard time right now. And so I just want to hear from you. What are some of the trends that you're seeing? What is it exactly that's happening? Because like right now, we just don't have the answers. There's so many things that could be going on behind the scenes as of why companies are doing what they're doing. Like they're posting roles. They're having quote unquote conversations with candidates, but they're not moving them along. And I just want to understand like, what is it that's going on aside from the economy and everything else that's going on with the government? Do you have any insights into into that? Or maybe you can share with us some trends that you're seeing or what are some tips that you can give the job seekers to kind of put them at ease a little?
1: So it's interesting because I work with a variety of job seekers. I primarily work with senior level leaders and executives when it comes to resume writing. But I do a lot of my coaching with career transitioners because I partner with quite a few boot camps. And so it's really interesting the differences depending on the industry that you're in and the level in which you are applying for. And so across the board, the bar is set really high. Top companies are laying off fantastic talent because they overhired and talent that smaller organizations otherwise wouldn't be able to attract are now having access to. And so, what I'm seeing is that in general, if everything from A to Z isn't super polished, it's really difficult to get moved on. And to especially get that offer, and so where people previously were able to rely on their network to get a referral, right? Even if you are applying with a referral, if you're not on the top of your game during the interview, if you're not making those connections, if the hiring team isn't feeling like you're going above and beyond to show that you really want to work here and would be an asset to the team, a value add to the team, then they're selecting someone else. And so. In general, just the bar is set really high and job seekers are having to put far more effort into their job search than they've ever had to before. Even during the recession, even during the pandemic, it's just a different time that we're seeing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been saying, and please, the listeners, don't hate me for this, but right now this is just an employer market is what I'm seeing. And people are having a hard time accepting that, unfortunately. And I get it. We don't want to flip the tables because I think that for a long time, it's always been a, an employer market. And we kind of took the reins a little bit in 2020, 2021, I want to say, where as employees and job seekers, we had a lot of the power. And that was scary for employers. Very oh, yeah. scary. And they
1: put that back real quick.
0: Yes. And I think... You know, the economy and now with the collapse of the two banks and everything, they took that opportunity very quickly to say, hey, we have an opening here to take that back. And I don't think that we're going to have the chance to take control anytime soon unless something changes, something big happens. And what I mean by that is, and, and tell me if you agree, I would love to open the floor for you, Tegan, to give me some of your opinions here as well. Is you know, the remote job situation has changed. People are still having a hard time accepting the fact that remote opportunities are just not as available as they used to be. And people are holding on to that token. Like, if it's not remote, I don't want it. If you're not paying me this amount, I don't want it. If you're not giving me this perk, I don't want it. So I think that being a little bit more open-minded, or if it's not this one company, I'm not interested. Hey, career reviewer. I'm interrupting myself because I have something super exciting for you. I want to give you a free resume review. These usually go for $387. You can check out the link to book a regular call on the show notes. This offer is exclusive to my podcast listeners. And I do these reviews on IG and TikTok lives every week. All you have to do is leave an Apple or Spotify podcast review. Take a screenshot of that and send it over to careersinreview at gmail.com. That email is careersinreview at gmail.com. In that email, you're gonna go ahead and attach that resume that you want me to review. Be sure to remove any personal identifiable information and give you permission to review that on a live. And I will give you all the personalized tips on how to make that resume better so that you can apply for the job you want. If you can make the live on the scheduled time, do not worry because I'm gonna go ahead and send you the replay. Now, back to the show. So what are some tips that you can give us to kind of, I know that you love to essentially coach your clients to have a blueprint on how they can essentially have a guide on how to be those top-notch job seekers. So why don't you just give us some, you know, high-level overview of what that would look like for what it would be to work with you as a client and having that blueprint that can kind of guide us in, in this process.
1: Yeah, everything that you just said is really important to so like step number one of the blueprint is clarity. Not only clarity on what you want to do moving forward in your career, but clarity on what the market is going to bear right now. Because the truth of the matter is, the listeners may not like this, there's different levels to employees. Recruiters will say, you know, There's A players. Those exceed expectations on the performance reviews. They're being tapped for leadership development opportunities and so on and so forth. Then there's B players who meet expectations but don't really go above and beyond who may feel like they're deserving of the top tier of the salary band range. But on the internal side, when you're looking at what the budget is for the department, you have to to evaluate contributions and effectiveness and and things of that nature. And then there's those that are underperforming. Maybe somebody who is a misalignment in a role, who didn't have proper training, who there's a culture clash and personalities and just can't get the buy-in to get anything done. And so being really clear on where you're at in your career, what you excel at, what you need to work at, the best types of environments that you will thrive in is always first step. Because once you have clarity on those different areas, which can be difficult to do, it may take a lot of self-discovery and a lot of conversations with people in different industries or in different types of roles than what you're used to. But once you've got that clarity, then you can set up trackers and what I mean by trackers is data is really important for you to take control of part of the process of the job search if you have different spreadsheets set up in the beginning where you can have you know your blueprint or your you know your strategic roadmap on how you're going to execute your job search where you're going to spend your time if you keep track of all of your activity then you can see am I getting a good ROI on my time? is this connection script working or is it not? Is this way of articulating this interview answer like, tell me about yourself? Is that getting me passed on to the next round after the initial recruiting screen or do I need a pivot? So I'm really big on setting up those trackers. If anybody needs one, I've got one that you can download for free on my website to get you started. And then from there, the next step, clarity, setting up, organizing yourself for your job search, setting up those data trackers. And then a big piece of it is connection. Can you connect with people, new people and roles you're interested in and roles and companies that you're interested in? to really gain insight as to what's most valuable to the organization to one, make sure this is a good fit for you, but two, really blow them away in the interview process. Which brings me to like interview prep, do not slack on that. Because if you're getting a call, it's because they're interested. And if they're not moving you along, maybe yes, it's because there's somebody who's more qualified or because they're putting the position on hold or things outside of your control. But you can control how prepared you are to the interview. And as long as you can say, yes, I did everything I could to get this offer, then you did all you could. (laughs) But if you're not, then you can only be so mad at how your experience is going. So I really encourage people not to slack on the interview prep. And then back to the data... Track your results and iterate when things aren't working effectively. And so, so often we hear, Oh, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing everything right, but you're still not getting the results. And yes, in very few people, that's true. But more times than not, there's actually actionable advice that you can get to better present yourself, to be more effective with your time. And then I also don't want to leave out negotiating. I don't care what the economy is like right now. You better get paid your worth. And so do not skip on the negotiation part once you do get that offer. Because if you got the offer, they want you on their team. They don't want to go through the process of starting over. So get the most that you can out of the situation. Of course, do your research and make sure it's data packed. (laughs) Lead with your value. And that's why you want to be compensated that way. But definitely do not be afraid to negotiate when you do finally get that offer. Because at the end of the job search roadmap is getting your offer, negotiating your offer, and accepting it. So that's like the cherry on top that everybody's working towards right now.
0: Absolutely. I loved all of that. And that's a question that comes up a lot. Like, oh, you know, if I don't have experience, if I'm a new grad, if the economy is what it's like, or if it took me a long time to get here, should I still negotiate? The answer is always yes. So I love that you said yes, that.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I just had a client the other day from a boot camp and she's actually one of my girlfriend's sisters. And she's like, Well, they gave me this offer. And I was like, Well. Ask for more, like that's under market value. And even though you're transitioning your career, just go in and be curious. I'm so excited about the offer. You know, based on my research, I was expecting that it would be you know, closer to here? Is there any flexibility here? And they give her the extra six grand. Does that make that much of a difference on each individual paycheck? No, not really. But at the end of the year, that compounds. And that also compounds when you get your next year's promotion, which is 2%, maybe 3%. If you're lucky, 6%. And so yes, please negotiate your offer.
0: Absolutely. Especially for women. You know, I was reading an article and I'll definitely be putting that in the show notes, but women don't negotiate by a high percentage. I think it's 43% lower than men. And that sets you up back seven years in retirement for every time that you don't negotiate. Because it's why you were saying, yeah, in your paycheck day to day, it's probably not going to make a huge difference, but every year that compounds. So for every year that you don't negotiate, you're going to have to work seven years more for you to be able to retire comfortably at a a decent age.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's culturally just ingrained in us, especially for certain cultures, very much so more than just gender. But yeah, it's like, oh, well, they're going to give us the best offer. No, they're going to think about their budget, expect for you to negotiate. And if you don't ask for more, then they just saved a little bit so there is typically always room and what's the worst thing that can happen right so like if anybody is nervous about negotiating ask yourself like what is the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is they say no and you say no oh, i totally understand i'm so excited to start let's get the ball rolling on next steps very rarely does anything above and beyond that happen unless you're asking for an obscene amount or just totally off what the initial conversations were. Like As long as you're having transparency throughout the process with your recruiting partner, like that's what they're there for is to help guide you with that. And your recruiter is there ultimately to seal the deal at the end. So I really encourage people to have that level of rapport with the recruiter so you can feel like you're creating a win-win situation.
0: Absolutely. Could not agree more. Thank you so much for that. I love that blueprint. Well, there you have it. Pause it if you have to. Take notes step by step. Tegan has given you the blueprint to make sure that you're a top-notch job seeker, especially for times like these. Tegan, I love doing rapid fire at the end of these conversations. Are you ready?
1: Okay. Ready.
0: Best career advice that you've ever gotten?
1: Don't let them dim your sparkle.
0: Oh, I love that. That needs to be on a sticker. <laughs> Biggest pet peeve?
1: Lack of a say-do ratio. It is a really big pet peeve of mine when somebody says that they're all about something or when somebody says that they're absolutely going to do something and then they don't show up the way that they present to themselves. It makes me feel a little judgy, like, hey, people go through things. But at the end of the day, like, your word is you. So when people's words and actions don't align, it's like worse than road rage for me. For me.
0: <laughs> Ooh, speaking my language, road rage. Yep. Especially in New York. <laughs> I have the worst case of it. <laughs> Stay out of my way. <laughs> if you were not a career coach today, what would you be doing?
1: Oh, I love working on internal mobility Projects on like the TA side. So, really partnering with like learning and development and IT to integrate professional development and technology solutions to really make sure that the talent that you have in an organization has opportunities to grow, be more productive, make the company more money. And of course, like the employees reach their goals. I love doing those types of projects. So, I think. That's where I'd be at. Okay, no way, wait, wait. If I wasn't a career coach in like a fantasy world, I would probably own a doggy daycare. Oh, but
0: doggies!
1: Yeah, it's in a fantasy world. Not if I actually had to support my family.
0: No, hey, people pay top dollars to have their dogs cared for. So who knows? I know, but it's so much
1: upfront capital to, like, have the building and the insurance and the land. i ain't got it like that. But in a dream world, I absolutely would. I'd have a cute little dog-shaped bone pool and all of that.
0: Ooh, I'm already envisioning it. Do not discount that idea. Who knows?
1: Maybe one day.
0: <laughs> Maybe one day. In five years from now, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, in five years
1: from now, I think that I will have expanded my LMS. So, like on my website, the reason why I chose that platform is because I can host all of my resources. And something that I'm really passionate about is partnering with community agencies who help support people in their careers, domestic abuse shelters at-risk youth programs, etc. So I would love for those types of agencies to be able to integrate with my LMS so that everybody has access to high-quality job search advice that's like up-to-date because I know in working with those agencies in the past or even volunteering, the advice is so antiquated. It's like, they're giving you advice from like 20 years ago, like that does not work now. Like, please stop telling these people this. So yeah, in five years from now, I'm definitely going to be expanding so I can have greater impact.
0: I love that. Yeah. And I agree. I feel like those people, It I I feel for them because I know that they're just under-resourced. So I, I can definitely see that. And I I love the passion that you have for that in the vision. So I certainly... I will be continue to have you in your my thoughts and my prayers and let's root for Tegan here to to have those resources to be able to support those communities. Thank you. Yeah. And the last rapid fire question is what would you tell your youngest self five years ago?
1: So five years ago, I had just had my first child and I would tell myself to give myself grace. Because when you're an ambitious professional who also has really high standards for your home, balls drop. And so give myself grace to have the additional support that I need, regardless of how everybody else may judge me for having someone else come in and clean my house or getting my vegetables chopped at the grocery store so I can still cook (laughs) healthy meals or you know, having somebody come to my house to wash my car instead of going to the car wash. Like like things like that, where it's like, my family's like, I can't believe you pay for that. And it's like, well, where's my time better spent? Is it better spent nurturing my child or doing domestic chores? Like, I love being ambitious, but I don't have time for certain things. And if I can manage figuring out how to be more resourceful, I would give myself grace instead of judging myself saying, oh, well, you're not a good enough mom because you can't also be a mom, work and keep your house clean. No, screw that. I'm not going to judge myself. I'm just going to hire somebody to come in and help me. So that's what I would tell myself about five years ago.
0: Absolutely. You know what comes to mind is the superwoman complex. And I just heard of it in the podcast from Jasmine Scalera.
1: Oh, I love her.
0: Totally recommend you listen to it. She just published it today. I listened to it during my lunch break and she talked about that. It's a superwoman complex that a lot of us women, of course, specifically people that come from underrepresented backgrounds just have that, that they think they have to have the world in their shoulders because it's going to make them stronger and people are going to think better of them. But I love that you brought that up because we need to get rid of that. You know, we have these services and we have, this is the reason why we're living longer because we ha- we created these efficiencies as human beings so that we can make our life easier, so that we can create the resources for the future generation. Like why shame moms over the fact that we're creating more time, that one finite resource that we all have to spend more time with our families and to be happier. Why judge that, right? I love that.
1: Yeah, I don't need to be misindependent. I will happily have a village. And when you come from low income communities and impoverished areas and you feel that sense of scarcity, there is a lot of judgment on, well, you can't, why can't you do it all yourself? Screw that. I will happily foster my tribe, welcome anyone in who is going to enrich my life. And for those people who don't get it, hey, that's okay. You do not know what you are missing out on once you embrace accepting help.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And that is an amazing way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Tegan, for being here and for sharing your amazing story and all of your nuggets. I I feel like everybody's just going to take so much away from this. I'm
1: so glad that we got to spend some time today together. Likewise. Thank you. From effective networking to landing job offers, this is the podcast for
0: action takers ready to be the best they can be without any fear. This is the Careers in Review podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode of Careers in Review. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter. You will receive exclusive information about upcoming shows, transcripts, and information about our guests. For all resources mentioned, show notes, transcriptions, and more details regarding topics discussed in today's show please visit the Careers in Review website, www.careersinreview.com podcast. You can also follow Careers in Review on all socials for more exclusive video content. Thank you for listening.